Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Well, it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, thank you so much for your welcome. Um, And it was a lovely introduction. Thank you so much for that introduction. But you left out one important component, is that I'm a West Coast Eagles supporter and member. Now, normally when I say that, I get half the congregation stand up and boo. But it looks like we're we're predominantly a God's team church. Is that right? Awesome, awesome. Um, So it's lovely to be with you this morning. I really count it an honour and a privilege to be able to share the Word of God. And um, I don't know about you. How many of you are nervous because you've not seen me before? You're not sure what you're going to get this morning? (laughs) Well, I am. This is my steady hand. But uh, it's great to be here. My wife, Jackie, would have loved to have been with us this morning. And she'd planned to be here, but she decided that she'd have a trip to Fiona Stanley this week. And uh, so she only got released on Friday. And I did look at her on her, on her bed this morning and said, oh, I think you really should come. Um, but uh, no, we, um, it was amazing. It was, a, it was an issue with her heart that we weren't aware of. But God is really good because we got into a specialist straight away. We got into Fiona Stanley straight away. Um, and normally as a public patient, these things can take a little bit longer. But God just um, overruled the entire situation. So I give him the glory this morning. All right, I just want to uh, just have a just want to pray with you before we open the word this morning. I think it's really important. Father, we just uh, just want to thank you for this morning. And I want to thank you for your son Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I want to thank you for your word because your word gives us encouragement, it gives us challenge, uh, it gives us direction for life. And right now, Father, as we open this word this morning, I pray that you'll give us open hearts open minds and open spirit to what you would have say to each and every one of us this morning. May this word meet our needs where it needs to be met right at this point in time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, we celebrated a very special event. It's called Valentine's Day. And of course, Valentine's Day is all about expressing your love to someone. And um, it's generally to someone special. And I I was thinking about Valentine's Day and I thought, what are some of the commercial interests with Valentine's Day? Did you know that um, this is the third biggest sale day for chocolate in the world? Easter is actually number two, which surprised me, but Christmas is number one. But Valentine's Day is number three. Uh, It's also the second biggest day of the year for the sale of flowers with Mother's Day being number one, of course. But they're not the biggest selling items for for Valentine's Day. It's actually jewellery. Ladies, did you get any jewellery for Valentine's Day this year? (laughs) Uh, Someone sounds like my wife when I asked her that question and she just fell over. And I also discovered that the average spend, not for this year but previous years, is just under $200 per person on Valentine's Day. 
And it seems to me that Valentine's Day has gone from something very simple where you would send an anonymous card or a single rose to somebody, which is the way it should be. But now it's become this huge commercial venture, whereas if I didn't get, give you an up-to-date cappuccino machine or, you know, a Lamborghini or something like that, then I don't truly love you. And I started to think about the emphasis we put on Valentine's Day. And, and I must say, Valentine's Day is important for, for me and Jackie because we got engaged on Valentine's Day. Isn't that nice? And if she was here today, I'd look her in the eyes and I'd go, Amore. She thinks she's Italian, but I don't know where that comes from. But. And so I started to think about my connection with God and this connection with Valentine's Day. And I'm thinking, we seem to spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on Valentine's Day and trying to express our love for someone that we should be able to express our love to every day of the week, as apart from one day of the year. And yet, when it comes to God, do I really express my love towards him in the way that I'll express my love towards my wife once a year, which, praise God, I don't do. And so I thought this morning I'd like to talk about um, how we can show God we love him. If, if we claim to be sons and daughters of the living God, then we should be able to express our love to him. See, the Bible tells me that we were created as an object of God's love. God created you and me to love us and for us to love him. And, and I get so overwhelmed by the fact that God, the creator of the universe, wants to have a personal relationship with me. With me. And so we are created in our DNA, our creative purpose is to have relationship with God. It's important. And as a result, I guess the most important thing I believe in our life is to know that God loves me, God loves you, and that, you know, the most important thing I can do for him is to love him back. Um, Jesus um, was asked a question, and in Matthew 22, 37 to 38, and, and most of the translation I'll use this morning is from the New Living Translation. Um, but he said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I think the message Bible says, with all your passion. This is the first and greatest commandment. So what Jesus is saying right up front is nothing is more important than to learn to love God and to let God love us. That's number one. And and. And um, if you've gotten onto this, then you have fulfilled life's meaning and life's purpose. But if you miss this, you've missed the very reason that God created you and me. He put us on this earth to be loved and to love. So I want to tell you a few ways that God has challenged me in relation to how I can express my love for him. And hopefully it will challenge you. Number one. And they're not in any order of preference, by the way. But number one is by singing to him. Now, I want to say thank you to the worship team this morning because I knew all but one song, which was great because our church does the same. And I was really, really tempted. I wish I'd, I was going to drive home and get my Telecaster and plug it in and crank along with you. But um, thank you to the team. 
they, they do, worship teams do a great job. You know, you don't know, and the amount of practice that they put in after hours, getting here, I believe you have to get here early on a Sunday because of sound constraints. I'll, I'll tell my prayer warriors we're going to pray against that so you can practice during the week. But, um, yeah, so I really appreciate your ministry this morning, guys. But music and love go together because music, if it's done right, comes from the heart. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not a felt thing. It comes from the heart. And I have discovered that more songs have been written about Jesus Christ than anyone else. And you think of the prolific songwriters of Lennon and McCartney and uh, right through history. Um, they wrote a lot of songs about love. But there are more songs written about Jesus Christ and loving him than any other subject. And I think that's because Christianity at the basis is a singing faith. We love to sing because Christianity is not about religion. It is about relationship. And it's so easy to sing love songs to someone you have a relationship with. Now, it's mentioned earlier that, that I've travelled the world a little bit, and I have. I've been to uh, places like Myanmar and uh, a few of those sort of places where Christianity is not number one. And I've visited Buddhist temples and uh, Hindu temples and um, I've been to a large mosque in Dubai. Got to preach in Dubai, by the way. Would you believe in an Arabic country? So that was an awesome experience. But um, if you go into those places, there's no singing. We get things like... And that's it. How exciting is that? Oh, I'm pumped. I'm so glad I'm a born-again Christian because I can sing songs of love and praise to my Creator and my Saviour. See, because it's, it's about a love affair with Him. It's about a relationship with God. It's, it's about a relationship with a God who loves me so much that He sent His Son to die for me on the cross and, and He wants me to love Him back. Uh, I love the psalm, Psalm 147.7. Um, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to hang out with David because he was the first rock God. He was awesome. He wrote some great stuff. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God. Can I tell you that nothing will make you more aware of God's love and more aware of God's presence in your life than singing praise? And, and for those of you that aren't singers, let me tell you that's no excuse because the Bible says make a joyful noise. Tuneful noise doesn't matter unless you're in the worship team. It just says, make a joyful noise. Be passionate. Make a noise for the kingdom of God. Make a noise for the God that you love. And, and I don't know about your, your church is probably different to where I attend, but we have these people that are constantly late for church. And I scratch my head, and, and it wouldn't matter. We actually change times, uh, and they still come late. And, and I think, you miss out on so much. You know, you get there just in time for the offering or the announcements. But see, when we have come together with, and, and we do music together, music inspires. Music refreshes, it rejuvenates, it revitalizes. See, I've also discovered that music and worship have a healing element to it. If you're depressed or feeling down, I tell you, you need to sing a song. When I least feel like singing, that's when I probably need to do it the most. 
when I don't feel like participating in worship and getting involved, when I just want to stand still and be a spectator, that probably is a little bit of an indicator that maybe there's a disconnect with God at the moment, that my heart's gone cold a little bit and it needs to be warmed up. And so I need to get involved and let my mood um, get involved in worship. And sometimes during the week, if I'm feeling down, I'll go shut myself in, the, in my room and uh, get out my guitar and just just doodle a bit. I guess that's, I don't suppose, doodle's not really a musical term, is it? But just sitting in my room alone, just worshipping God. And I get lifted up. And so worship is really just, in a simple form, expressing your love to God. So wherever, wherever God is, guess what? You can worship Him. You can worship Him uh, in the shower. You can worship Him mowing the lawn. You can sing songs of worship while washing the dishes, um, driving to work. Now, be very careful when you're driving that the person next to you doesn't think that you're abusing him and that you have road rage. But I sang all the way up this morning and it was good because there was no traffic on the road. You can sing anywhere and everywhere. The second thing I want to say is we can express our love to God by talking to him. See, relationship is all about communication. And I'm a, a little bit of a slow learner when it comes to husbands and wives. But I realised at one stage that the key ingredient to marriage was talk. I can hear some wives just laughing, thinking, I've got a husband just like you. I have discovered that on the days that I have a deep soul communication with my wife, Jackie, our relationship grows. When I do the typical male thing, when I'm sort of pretend I'm listening, but I'm not, and I go, mm, mm, yeah, which is really the way blokes communicate when we get together. But when I have a deep soul communication, our relationship grows. And when we have little or none of that communication, our relationship either goes to a standstill or decays. Can I tell you, especially to the couple getting married shortly, a relationship is never standing still. It's either growing or decaying. So can I encourage you, just grow your relationship, grow your marriage. And it's the same with God. When I have a deep, intimate, um, soul, one-on-one -on -one connection with God um, and, a, and a talk with God, then my relationship grows with God. When I have times when I'm sort of, yeah, I haven't got time today or I'll leave it, catch it up later in the week, my relationship decays. See, when you really love someone, you want to connect with them. You want to talk to them. How many of us can remember when we were first in love? For some of us, that was the day when the mobile phone was on the street. But it's like you had a phone in your ear and you talked and talked and talked. Um, I guess today, um, texting uh, and, and Facebook and, that, and Instagram seems to take over from verbal conversation. But I want to say, if your husband or wife never talks to you, you have every reason to start wondering, do they love me? And it's the same with God. And I struggled with this for a long time. What do I talk to God about? This awesome God. You know, you read about in the Old Testament where only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies and communicate with God. What can I do? 
And I have discovered that I can talk to God about anything I like, the same I would talk to my friends about, the same topics, the same issues, my hopes, my fears, my dreams, my anxieties, um, the things I'm embarrassed about, the things I'm proud of, the things I'm ashamed of, my goals, my ambitions, my hurts, every aspect of my life uh, I can bring to God and talk to Him about it. Um, Psalm 116, the first two verses, and I'm using the Passion Translation here. I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because He bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. If you're not feeling close to God, if your relationship, Christian relationship with life has become dull, colorless and boring, it's, it's joyless, it's lifeless, I think the way to, to, to fix that is very simply start talking to God again. Talk to him more often. You know, I used to think that prayer was some sort of duty, you know, uh, like I've got some Islamic friends, you know, and they have to pray so many times a day. And I used to think it was something like that. You know, I report at 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. But it's not like that. It's a privilege, it's an honour to talk to the creator of the universe one-on-one. The other aspect to talking is, the third thing I want to share is, by listening to him. The greatest, one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is the gift of listening. Everyone wants to be understood and we all want to be listened to. And when, when I listen to someone, I'm saying, what you're saying to me right now is very important to me, that, that I'm giving you my full attention. I value what you have to say. I value your opinion. And, and when I don't listen or I do the, you know, the husband, mm, 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 I'm basically saying, well, I'm, at the moment, I'm not interested. It's not important. And it's the same with God. You see, every time I listen to God, I'm saying, God, what you have to say to me matters to me. I value what you have to say. And, and I've discovered that listening is one of the most misunderstood aspects of prayer. I mean, most of us think that prayer is like we go to a vending machine and we put our money in and out comes a Coke or, a, you know, Lord, bless me with this. Lord, look after this. Lord, this. Lord, that. Lord, that. Lord, that. Lord, that. And I'm wondering if God is sitting in heaven saying, shut up. I've got something I want to say to you. You know, we, we don't wait, we don't listen. And the reality is God is speaking all the time. But the reason we don't always hear is because we're not listening. And, and some of that's to do with lifestyle. And, you know, our lives are so busy, we have stuff coming at us all the time. You know, um, we have mobile phones and people, some people have them next to their beds and they're going 24-7. Our life is full of noise. We have, um, we have radio, we have TV, we have mobile phones, we have tablets, we have the whole lot. And maybe God can't get through because all our lines are busy at the time. Maybe we need to just take time out to listen. To understand what God has to say to us. And there's a couple of ways that God speaks to us through his word. That's a pretty obvious one, I guess, for most of us. But I want to tell you, it's amazing the number of Christians who say they're Christians and never spend time in the Word. 
But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to spend time in the Word. If you're not reading the book, you're not going to get um, anything out of it. He's not going to be able to talk to you. Life experiences are another way that God speaks to you. Trials, when you go through stuff. Sometimes we simply go through stuff and don't get out of it because we're not listening to God's direction. Other people, you know, through... Uh, Make sure you've connected with some godly people whom you trust. People, you know, you could, you could go to someone and say, look, what do you think about this? And if you trust them, they'll say, well, I've, you know, I'll pray about it. And this is what God says about it. God will often speak to you through another person. And sometimes through impressions, you know, he puts an idea into your mind. And, and you, you know, if you come up with some great idea, let me tell you, God's put it there. But not every idea you get, by the way, is from God. When we get an idea from God, we call it inspiration. When we get an idea from the devil, we call it temptation. When we get an idea from ourselves, we call it dumb. But the Bible says to test it. And the word Bible says that hearing God's voice, being able to listen to God and hearing God speak is the test of whether we're truly connected to God or not. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own sheep and they know me and they listen to my voice. Now in Australia, we would think that's a strange verse. But in Jesus' day, the shepherds would only have a flock of a maximum of 100 sheep and they knew each sheep by name and the sheep knew the specific shepherd's voice and that's why that's applicable. So if you're ever wondering, why don't I hear from God? Why don't I get an impression from him? Well, maybe it's because the connection's disappeared again. The fourth thing I want to say is that we need to publicly identify with him. Now, I could do a whole week's worth of preaching on this subject alone. Let's not be ashamed of God wherever we're at. Whether we're at work, at uni, at school, in our neighbourhood, let's not get into the habit, and I must say, when I was a young guy, I was guilty of it. So I'm not trying to say this is the way you do it. I've, I've been there and done that a bit. I'm not going to let anybody know I'm a Christian. I wanna, don't want to take any nonsense. I want to be politically correct socially acceptable so i'm not telling anybody i'm keeping it a secret you know i, I remember asking the guy once i said oh you say you're a christian do you what, what aspect of um christianity what church do you belong to or what part of christian christianity do you belong to he said oh, i'm in the secret service he was ashamed to share his his truth of, of his relationship with god i mean how do you think Jackie would have felt if I'd said to her years ago, yeah, let's get married and let's commit to each other, but let's keep it our little secret. Let's keep that to ourselves. Let's not tell anybody about it. You know, I'll be committed to you, you be committed to me, but we're in public. When we're in public, let's not, you know, show anybody that we know. Let's like act like we're total strangers. And, you know, isn't that a great idea? Could you imagine? Well, you can't imagine because you don't know what she's like, but you know, the reaction... What kind of love is that? I mean, it's no love at all. Because if you truly love someone, you want to tell others about it. You're not ashamed of them. 
You take on their name. You identify with them. So you can't say you love Jesus and be ashamed of him at the same time. In, in Mark 8.38, Jesus said this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my teachings, then I will be ashamed of him when I come in the glory of my Father. Now, Jesus understood the power of symbolism, and symbolism is very important. And he gave us a couple of symbols, and I'm not doing anything major on it, but communion is one symbol that he gave us to show that we publicly identify with him. You know, it, it, and, and, it, and it shows when Jesus died, he did three things for us. He saved us from the penalty of sin. Everything that we've ever done, past, present, or future, is, is taken care of on the cross. He saves us from the power of sin. You know, he gives us new power to make changes in our lives so we don't go back to the old ways. And he saves us from the presence of sin for eternity because we get a place in heaven. And that's going to be an awesome place. There's not going to be any sickness. There's not going to be any illness. The Eagles will win the premiership every year. We'll win the Ashes every year when it comes to cricket season. It's going to be a great place. But can I say that communion is not for everyone? Communion should really only be for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we're publicly identifying with him. The other thing that um, he gave us was the symbolism of baptism. And baptism, we're told in Romans, when we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life um, in a new land. That's what the baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And that's what happens. Being baptized won't save you. But again, it's a public declaration. When I go on into the water and under the water, my old life is gone. My new life has come. And I'm making a public connection with the family of God. It's a picture of what happened to you. That God has changed my life. And it symbolizes new life in Jesus Christ. The fifth thing um, I want to say to you is we need to be committed to him. Love is all about commitment, being sold out. See, you don't really love someone unless you're committed to the very best for that person. See, nothing significant will ever happen in your life unless you are committed to it. Um, our commitments will determine our future. We become what we are committed to. If we're committed to nothing, nothing happens. So I want to encourage you, choose your commitments carefully. Because you become what you are committed to. If you're committed to the wrong thing, you'll become the wrong people, a wrong thing. Weak people, they're defined by their circumstances. But strong people are defined by their commitments. And in Chronicles, we're told that God is looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him that he can bless and can use. And so what does it mean to be committed to God, fully committed? Well, I want to give you five basics giving my life to Jesus Christ, committing my life to his family, the body of Christ, the church, and joining a church family. If I was allowed to hit people over the head with a holy sword, it's people I come across who say, I don't need to go to church to be a follower of Jesus. How can you? There's at least 52 instructions that I'm aware of where, that you can't follow that Jesus gave if you're not in a church and committed to a family. 
We need to choose to grow spiritually and become more and more like Jesus Christ. And, 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 and that's in every aspect, not just on Sunday, Monday to, Monday to Sunday, 24-7, in every aspect of our character, that we use our talents and our gifts in helping others. And it was talked about, you know, ministry opportunities in the church. Everyone has a unique gifting and a unique ministry. Um, then we have to share the good news with other people you know, and fulfill the mission and purpose that God put on earth to do. And I know some people who are Christians think, well, that's the job of the paid professionals, you know, the pastors and the elders and the leaders, but it's not. Each of us, if we have a relationship with God, have our own unique story to share and to tell. And I found the most um, impactful um, things that happen in people's lives are when you share your own story with someone. You know, I'm a big believer in friendship evangelism, where we connect with people and we build relationship and trust. Romans told us to take our everyday ordinary life, our sleeping, our eating, going to work, walking around life, this is from the Message Bible, sorry, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. No aspect of life is left out of that. Just trying to keep an eye on the time. Very quickly, I'll do this last one for you. By giving to Him. You know, at the very essence, at its core, you spell love, G-I-V-E. Because that's what love is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave. And giving, yes, we're talking finances are an aspect of giving. But there's lots of other aspects. There's your talent. There is your time. There's a whole lot of gift, a range of ways that we give to God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. See, God, to test the sincerity of our love by how we give. See, God doesn't need my time or your time. I mean, he controls time. He doesn't need my money. I mean, he's got unlimited resources. But I want to tell you, he needs your heart. He needs your heart. He wants your heart. He wants what your giving represents. And he wants you to become like him. You know, he hung on a cross. I don't know about you, but that just floors me. Because there's no way known on this beautiful planet that I'd be giving up my son or my daughter, for that matter. But God did. You know, I guess there are a whole lot of different ways that we can express um, our love to God. We've just looked up half a dozen. You've probably come away with a whole lot more, I hope. But God has wired me and he's wired you up in certain ways. 
and, and, and they're going to be, what ways appeal to me will not appeal to you, but God still wired you up that way. And God wants you. God wants me. He wants to use, if you like, our hands, our feet, our eyes, and our ears because he loves us and we love him. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I just want, I just feel, normally I wouldn't do this when I'm visiting another church, but I just feel like the Spirit of God wants to talk to people right at the moment. And I just want to give you that time to allow the Spirit to minister to you before we close. And I guess when I come into a place where people of congregations of this size, or any size really, there are people within that uh, group who are searching and seeking God. Wanting answers. Wanting new direction. Can I tell you, God so loved you that he gave his son for you. So you get the opportunity of relationship, of restoration with our God. And then the the great thing about it is you get to become a, a part of the family of God. And you get to spend eternity in heaven. And then there are Again, there are probably others whose relationship with God is probably not as strong as it used to be or as strong as you'd like it to be. I just want to encourage you this morning to chase after God. Use some of these ways or find other ways to connect and restore your relationship. Now, I don't know a lot about this church, but I do believe that this church is on the cusp of doing some exciting, exceptional things for the kingdom here. But in order for that to happen, it's going to need passionate, sold-out disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just people who call themselves Christian and come to church, but passionate, sold-out disciples of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to start reconnecting with God on a deeper, more intimate level. And for those of you that love the Lord your God, I just want to encourage you in your faith. Keep doing what you're doing. Go to the next level that he wants to take you to. And so, Father, right now, I just pray your anointing on every person bowed before you this morning. You know where they're at in their journey and in their relationship with you. And, Father, for those that are seeking you, I pray they will run to you, Lord God. If you're seeking God and you know somebody here that's a, that can lead you to, to, the, to a relationship with Christ, talk to them after the service. Father, I thank you for this church. I want to pray your blessing and your anointing on this church. They're striving to do greater, bigger things for you, Lord, for the kingdom's sake. So we bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name.